I'm going to talk about a subject entitled Beyond Measure. Let me start reading to you straight away. When I looked again, so this is Zechariah speaking, and he's having a vision. And so he looks and he saw a man with a measuring line in his hand. Everybody say measuring line. Say it real loud. Measuring line. One, two, three. Oh, you sound good. A measuring line in his hand. Where are you going, I asked. He replied, I am going to measure Jerusalem to see how wide and how long it is. Then the angel who was with me went to meet a second angel who was coming toward him. The other angel said, Hurry and say to that young man, Jerusalem will someday be so full of people and livestock that there won't be enough room for everyone. Many will live outside the city walls. I'm sorry, many will live outside the city walls. Then I myself will be a protective wall of fire around Jerusalem, says the Lord. And I will be the glory inside the city. So there's this young man, and he's got a measuring tape. And he is measuring the city. Like, could you imagine that? Could you imagine taking a measuring tape and trying to measure the woodlands? Like, can you take that and get here, just bend it around that tree, because if you cut it, they'll kick you out of the city. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but, but anyway, could you imagine um, measuring a city? And he's trying to figure out how many people he can fit into this city. He's trying to figure out the dimensions of the city. And this angel shows up and says, stop measuring because what, is, what God is going to do with this city is so big, it is so huge, that uh, you are not going to be able to predict it or even measure it. It's too big. Um, I want to share with you guys, just for a few moments, on this thought. When we stop measuring, the miracle will begin. We have a tendency to measure our life. We measure where we are right now in comparison to where we wanted to be at this stage in our life. We have a tendency to measure our health where we are right now compared to where we wish we, our health was. We measure our income where it is now compared to where we wish it were. And we also measure our life compared to the lives of our friends and family around us. I don't know about you, but I've got friends that I've known for 10, 15, 20 years, and I look at them and I see their success, and I think to myself, what? I've known you since you were a kid. You're an idiot. How are you so successful? Does anyone have friends like that? Go ahead and raise your hand. Don't point at them if they're here. Just raise your hand. It's how in the world? Ladies, have you ever uh, had a friend of yours or a colleague get a promotion and you think to yourself, what? She's stupid. 
She's still, how in the world could she have that position? She's an idiot. Has anyone ever had a friend like that? It's just our natural tendency to measure. Let me say it again. When we stop measuring, the miracle will begin. There's a man named Jonathan Edwards. He was a young preacher in the 1760s, 1780s, 1770s. He was a revivalist. God did phenomenal things in his ministry that had an atomic uh, effect. And he said this, his exact words were, the godly are designed for unknown and inconceivable happiness. So when God designed you before you were born, he imagined, you know, you're going to have these kind of eyes and these shaped ears and that shaped nose and, and you're going to be this tall. And, and he designed it. This is what your laugh is going to sound like. And your laugh is going to sound like. And your laugh is ha ha. He designed everything. And he also set in motion and you are going to be in conceivably happy now I know what you're thinking you're thinking God designed me to be inconceivably happy not so much where did the breakdown take place why the gap we're supposed to be inconceivably happy I want to propose to you and I that maybe, just maybe, we are so consumed with measuring where our life should be, where our goals, where we're at with our goals, what we expected God to do, what God actually did, what we wanted God to do, what he did, how much money we need, how much money we have, and, and we're just constantly in a state of measuring. And the Lord's saying, what I'm going to do with you, you can't measure. Will you just please stop measuring? Another word for measuring is comparing. You know, there is a, a cocktail mix of comparison. When we compare, there, it is an act of violence against ourselves. Because if you compare yourself to someone prettier than you, then you get depressed. If you compare yourself to someone you're prettier than, you get prideful. Either way, you're drinking a poisonous cocktail mix. It's comparison. Comparison is an interesting thing because comparison consumes. Comparison will consume you and distract you. Here's a thought for you. Comparison shatters happiness. Um, I like to run races, half marathons, marathons, etc. And, and I, I'll finish a race and say, I'm so proud of myself. I mean, I really did good. I mean, I ran faster than I thought I ran. And then I'd see my friend, and this happens all the time, who ran so much faster than me. And then all of a sudden I'm like, man, I am a bum. Because that instant comparison um, 
There's, this, it, there's times where I, I look at um, the things that I do and I think, man, I'm, I'm really doing a good job. And then there's other times where I'm like, I am a poor, poor, poor everything. But it circles back around to comparison. If we stop comparing and we stop measuring and we stop looking at what our expectations were in our reality, if we stop looking around, the Lord will then begin to see that we're being more consumed with obedience than we are fruit. And that is very, very important because the Bible says that one man waters, another man plants, but God causes the increase. In other words, you can't cause your own increase. You can water and you can plant, but anything good that's going to happen to you is going to come from God. When you water your grass, you can't make it grow. It just grows. You can put seed out and you can put water out and you can take the two and put together and historically God causes that to grow. But you didn't make it grow. You just put water on a seed. God makes all things grow. And sometimes we get into the habit of measuring our harvest and our fruit compared to someone else's harvest and fruit and honestly, you didn't make what you have happened in the first place because the only thing you could do is be obedient. And my message to you today is if we can just focus on being obedient, obedient, and stop comparing, the fruit and the blessings will overwhelm us obedience obedience is the key when you stand before god it's our obedience when i spoke to you when i spoke to your spirit did you respond to me because once again you're obedient if you're sowing the seed you're obedient if you're watering but you can't make it grow only god can make it grow that ought to bring peace to all of us Whatever it is, your marriage, your finances, your job, your health, you are obedient. You listen to that small voice, not out loud. You listen to that small voice right down in here that just tells you what the Lord wants you to do. You may not know what you should do tomorrow or the next day or next year, but you'll always know what to do next because the Holy Spirit will speak that to you. Sometimes they'll tell you to stop. Sometimes they'll tell you to start. Sometimes they'll tell you to say I'm sorry to someone that may not deserve it. To give forgiveness, he'll speak it to you. But when he receives that obedience, this is your point number one. I've got three for you. Obedience leads to blessings. In fact, another way of saying it, blessings chase obedience here's a, a scripture i'd like to read to you it's in luke chapter 11 verse 28 jesus replied but even more blessed are all who hear the word of god and put it into practice when you hear the holy spirit speak to you 
and you do it. You hear it, you do it. The minute you do it, the minute you do it, a blessing gets sent into your life. Bam. So you do it, and there's a blessing. You feel it, you do it, there's a blessing. Boom, boom. It's simultaneously. You do it, you're blessed. You do it, you're blessed. Let me read that verse again. It says this, but even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. Every time, every, every time you feel the word of God speak to you and you do it, there's a blessing attached to it. Every time. And if you are in a tough season and you do it under those conditions, is there anyone here in a tough season? The blessing is attached to that moment as well. Watch this. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptations. So when you are tempted to do something that you feel God telling you, don't do that. When you are tempted and you listen to the Lord, you respond, you're obedient. Boom, boom. You respond, you're blessed. You respond, you're blessed. You can't see it. It's like someone walking up to you and sticking $100 in your back pocket without you knowing. You can't see the blessing. You don't know what the blessing is, but it's sent your way because you were obedient. That's how powerful obedience is. Obedience is private yet powerful. It is powerful. Because every time you do it, bam, bam, there is a blessing attached to it. Nobody sees it. Nobody hears it. It's in your mind. It's a private decision. It's not like you can say, hey, I was about to punch that guy in the nose, but I heard the Holy Spirit tell me not to do it, so I didn't do it. I'm about to be blessed. Ha, ha, ha. It's not like you can announce it. You don't even know what it is. But it's attached. Boom, boom. You can't control the fruit. And rather than measuring your fruit and measuring your success and measuring your blessings, your obedience will chase you with blessings. Number two is not only does obedience lead to blessings, but obedience leads to a level of intimacy with God. Just you being obedient. Watch this. Let me read it to you. In Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18, it says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So just as wine influences our behavior, the Holy Spirit influences our effectiveness. Watch this. Let's say I was like Popeye and I could grab my lip and pull it out real far and take a bottle of Merlot and go You don't even know me. You know somebody's drunk when the I love you's come. I love you, man. I love you, I love you. You know they're really gone. Oh boy, here we go. Here comes the I love you. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? 
I love you. I love you so much. I love you. I love you. Whoa. Here comes the I love yous. Because that when you are drunk with wine, it influences your behavior. And Paul says this, just like that, just, just like that, just like wine, too much wine can influence your behavior. The Holy Spirit, when you're full of it, it will influence your behavior as well. You will look different. You will talk different. You will think different. You will have a peace. There will be something about you that is, there's something, it'll just affect even your effectiveness. It's just, man, and all of that is just hinged to being obedient. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says that God's voice is like many waters. Think about all the waters that are going on right now. Somebody's taking a shower in China. There's the Niagara Falls. There's the, 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 the Houston, uh, what, 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 what is it, uh, the, the Conroe. There's rivers everywhere. There's bayous everywhere. Think about all the water that's moving around right now. Water, water, water. There's more water. There's water everywhere. And the Bible says, just like many waters is God's voice, that means God is always speaking to us. He's always speaking to us. And every single time you hear that voice right down in here, every time you hear it right there and you just respond in that moment of obedience from moment to moment to moment to moment to moment. When you're tempted to look at somebody else, no, I'm not going to compare. I'm not going to measure. See, a lot of times we measure what we expected God to do by this point. See, here's the thing about the Lord. We overestimate what God's going to do in the short term, but underestimate what He's going to do in the long term. So when we start measuring God's activity, disappointment overwhelms us. When we stop measuring, the miracle will come. You don't know when it's going to come. You don't know how it's going to come. You don't know what the fruit is going to look like. You have no idea. Is it a new job? Is it a raise? Is it a, is it, it, what is it? Is it the sickness in my body is gone? What is it? Am I going to wake up in the morning with hair? No. You have no idea what it's going to be. You have no idea, but all you're doing is you're not comparing, you're not measuring. What you're doing is you're just backing up and you're just staying obedient to that voice on the inside because obedience leads to blessings. It leads to intimacy. And then point number three is it leads to holiness. Holiness is very, very important because holy is to be separated for an honorable use. That's like me saying, hey, this measuring tape right here, don't use this to construct houses. This is not to be used to measure boards. Leave that measuring tape alone. Do not use this measuring tape to measure boards. This measuring tape has been a set aside for a holy use to measure bricks of gold. See, that's what holy is, to be set apart. When Jesus died on the cross, 
He arranged that the day you would be born, that you would be holy. So when you came out of your mother's womb, you were holy. You were set apart for an honorable use. It, there was 900 babies that got born that day. I can't speak for the other 899. What I can say is you were set apart for a holy use. And when you are obedient, you hear that voice, you feel that compelling, you feel that small voice that just speaks inside of you on what to do, what to say, when to go, when not to go. When you respond, what you are saying is, Lord, you have set, you have set me apart for a holy use. But I am going to live the rest of my life pursuing that holy use. So I'm going to listen carefully on how everybody in this world talks. Turn on the TV and turn up the volume. i got to listen very, very carefully. Because however everybody else speaks, that is not how I'm going to speak. Because I'm setting myself apart for a holy use. And obedience sets you apart for that use. In closing, I want to share this last thought. And I'm just going to tell you now, I need a little bit of poetic license for this. i got to fill in some blanks here. Because it's not spelled out in the scriptures specifically. See, there's other books that were written um, outside of the Bible. They're historical books. And it gives us clues and insight of what could have happened in between the chapters of the Bible. See, Adam and Eve were once in the Garden of Eden. And it was a beautiful place. And, and, and the Lord kicked them out because of disobedience. Adam's great, great, great grandson was a young man by the name of Enoch. And, and I believe a scene could have taken place something like this because these books of history tell us something that the Bible didn't mention. It says in one particular book that Adam, after he got kicked out of the garden, went into a deep depression that he never came out of. That after he left the Garden of Eden... He spent a lot of time in a cave, deeply depressed. And what I think may have happened is Enoch may have come into that cave and said, Papa, will you tell me a story? And, and I think that Adam may have said, okay, I have a story for you. A long, long, long time ago, your great, great, great grandmother and I used to live in a garden. Is this a true story? Yeah, yeah, it's a true story. And um, it was beautiful, Enoch. It was beautiful. But every night, was the best part of the day because in the cool of the evening 
Jesus, the Lord would come walking through. Who's the Lord? You don't know who the Lord is? Nobody ever said anything. Well, the Lord, He's the Creator. He made all of this. And you met Him? Yeah, we had dinner every single night. Every night we had dinner. But what happened? You know, Enoch, it's getting late. I, I don't think I want to. I don't think I want to talk about this anymore. I don't, I, I don't want to talk about it. In, in celebration, I think somewhere in there. Enoch stood up and said, I didn't know there was a Lord. I didn't know you could talk to him in the cool of the evening. Nobody ever told me that. And to this day, celebration, we don't know if Enoch ever got married. We don't know if Enoch had any kids. We don't know if Enoch had a big house or a small house or no house at all. We don't know if he made a lot of money or if he was poor. We have no idea about 99.9% .9 of his life. The Bible only says one thing about Enoch, and it says that he walked with the Lord. So he, he must have left the conversation with Grandpa and said, Are you still out there? And deep down in here, yes, I'm still here. Well, I want to get to know you. And he lived the rest of his life walking with the Lord. And the Bible says that he was walking with the Lord and then give me some license. Enoch said to the Lord, you know, I better turn around now. It's dinner time and it's 10 miles back. And I think the Lord looked at Enoch and said, you know what? Why don't we keep on walking and let's have dinner at my place tonight. Because the Bible says that Enoch walked with the Lord and then the Lord took him. He never died. Just kept on walking. Let's stop comparing, measuring, getting caught up with what we do have, what we don't have, what we thought we were going to have, what we thought we did have. Let's just back up and say, God, I can't control the fruit in my life, but what I will do I'll listen to that voice of obedience knowing good and well that blessings chase obedience intimacy comes with obedience holiness attracts obedience Lord I just I'm just going to focus on being obedient speak to me Lord and let me hear your voice would you stand your feet for me please Would you bow your head and close your eyes? I'd like for all the prayer partners to come down if you would.
without anybody looking around, let me ask you a question. If your heart were to stop beating in the next five minutes, are you 100% sure you know where you'd spend eternity? the answer is no, would you just raise your hand right where you're at, please? I see, I see hands going up all over the room. Can we all just raise both hands where we are and let's give a sign of surrender. Dear Jesus, would you just say those words with me? Dear Jesus, I'm so sorry for my sins. Would you please forgive me? Won't you be the Lord and Savior of my life? In Jesus' name, amen. I ask the prayer partners to come down because in Psalms 56, 9, it says, every time you pray, the tide of the battle turns. Every time you pray. So whether you, your faith is high or whether it's low, just pray just pray so I want to invite you to come out of your seat right now take the hand of a prayer partner down here let them pray for you let's let that tide of that battle turn may the Lord bless you may he keep you may his face shine down upon you may his countenance be lifted up on you and deliver you may the grace and peace of God be with you all the days of your life in Jesus name Amen. There's no official dismissal. You can leave whenever you get ready. But do come and do pray. Be blessed.